It is so beautiful here. I'm out on the Mineral Belt Trail in Leadville, and there's just a whole range of gorgeous snow-capped mountains in the background, and I'm curious what they are. We've all had moments like this, looking out over beautiful vistas and wondering what exactly we're seeing. That's where an app called Peak Visor comes in handy. Peak Visor is one of our sponsors for this season. When you open up their app, it figures out where you are, and then it tells you all the mountains you're looking at. They also have intricate 3D maps to help you plan out your adventures. And for the wintertime, they offer real-time info for every major ski resort in the U.S. Check out Peak Visor in the App Store. You just might love it. Hi, I'm Willow Belden, and you're listening to Out There, the podcast that explores big questions through intimate stories outdoors. First things first, I have an announcement. We are co-hosting an open mic night, and I would love for you to come. It's going to be on March 31st at 5.30 p.m. Pacific time, that's 8.30 p.m. Eastern, and we'll be co-hosting it with our friends at Kula Cloth. If you're interested in performing at the open mic night, we would love to hear from you. The deadline to sign up to perform is tomorrow, February 4th. Just go to outtherepodcast.com slash open mic. That's outtherepodcast.com slash open mic. And again, the deadline to sign up if you want to perform is February 4th. If you want to attend but not perform, that's great too. We'll have a registration form ready soon. Also, this season, we're going to be bringing you a special treat at the end of each episode. It's a new segment called Out There Favorites, and on it, our team members are going to be sharing recommendations for books, podcasts, gear, and other resources. These are not ads, they're just a chance for us to spread the love and tell you about things we think more people should know about. So, stick around after today's story to hear the first installment of Out There Favorites. This season, we're exploring the theme, Things I Thought I Knew. Each episode, will share a story about an outdoor experience that changed someone's understanding. In some cases, the storytellers gain new understanding about themselves— in some cases, our guests learn how to rise to the challenges in their lives. And sometimes, they learn important lessons about humanity. On today's episode, we have a story about the dreams we dream for ourselves, and how those dreams fit in with who we are. If you've had a transformative experience in nature, you probably know that it can be tempting to come home wanting to make big changes in your life. We often leave the backcountry with this idea that we're going to remake ourselves, redesign our existence. But it's not always that simple. Often, the reality is a lot messier and a lot less glamorous than we'd like to believe. On this episode, Sarah Dealey takes us from the desert in Utah to the mountains of Colorado and explores what happens when the person you think you want to be doesn't quite mesh with the person you are. 
And just to let you know, this episode discusses depression and suicidal thoughts and also includes some adult language. Hello! That's so... The bear doesn't get me. Um, All right. Okay, this is a lot scarier than I thought it would be. Holy shit, okay. I've always been an indoor kid. I never scraped my knees climbing trees. Never got a rope burn on a tire swing. I never came home to my mother, covered in dirt, needing to be hosed off before I was allowed in. I grew up in Colorado, and while other kids spent their summers jumping into rivers, I spent mine in the cool basement of my childhood home, eating kettle corn, watching movies, and reading exactly 34 volumes of Magic Treehouse books. I was never athletic, always a bit chubby with no hand-eye coordination. Once, I had to write an apology note to my phys ed teacher because instead of trying to hit the softball that was pitched to me, I screamed and ran away every time. Despite the forced note, I wasn't remorseful. I was confident in my choice to stay inside. I liked air conditioning. I liked reading. I liked reading in the air conditioning. I spent high school and middle school happily inside at an art school where there weren't even sports teams, so I was fine. But when I started college, something shifted, and I became incredibly depressed. Every day, I would wake up very unhappy about being awake, and my whole motivation would be to make sure I could lie down. The only thing that made me feel not actively suicidal was lying down. After a few years of this, I dropped out and went home. The indoors had warped. It was no longer a place of comfort and peaceful solitude. Now being inside was a symbol of my depression. It was all crumpled sheets littered with crumbs, Blinds closed to keep out the afternoon sun. A window AC unit that wasn't cooling the room well enough. I had nowhere I felt safe. After a while of being home, it was pretty clear that I needed serious help, and a therapist I was seeing recommended I go to residential treatment. I was given three options. One, Farming therapy, a place where you literally worked through your depression on a farm. I guess the seeds were a metaphor, and eventually you would grow into a beautiful, functioning, happy stock of corn. Two, residential therapy, which is similar to rehab, but it's just for depressed people. You sit in group therapy for hours a day inside a hospital-like building. Or three, Wilderness therapy, where you hiked off your depression, carrying everything on your back and sleeping on the ground until you weren't sad anymore. I chose wilderness therapy because it sounded like something my indoor kid self would never choose to do. I felt like my indoor mentality had brought me to this place and I hated myself for that. 
So I went into the woods as an attempt to exercise myself from the inside demon that had rotted my life. I remember talking to an admin lady for the program on speakerphone before I left. My mom asked how long I would have to stay. An average stay is five to 12 weeks, she said. You'll probably stay for five weeks, my mom said. I think you're just five weeks fucked up. And so five weeks fucked up became our motto. We said it to each other in the car on the way to the airport and on the last call I could make before I had to turn off my phone. I was five weeks fucked up. I wouldn't be staying for months like the kids who really needed it. I'd be turned around in no time. In reality though, I ended up staying for 12 weeks, a decision I didn't really have a lot of choice in. I was 20 when I went to wilderness therapy, so I couldn't be forced to go. If you're under 18, it is legal for your parents to hire people to blindfold you, stick you in the back of a van, and drive you to wilderness therapy. But for me, it was a choice I made myself. I felt empowered that I got to choose to do this really hard thing. I figured I was in the driver's seat of my own recovery, and I wouldn't have to do anything too uncomfortable. This ended up being far from the truth. When I got off the plane in Utah, I was greeted by two late 20-somethings, a man and a woman. They looked like the kind of people who ran the climbing wall at REI. Already I felt nervous. Where I grew up in Denver, the REI has a giant climbing wall. I'd spent a lot of time in my youth in this store. Mostly drinking frappuccinos in the Starbucks attached to it, but also looking at the climbing wall longingly, knowing that my shrimpy little arms could never get me up it. And suddenly, there I was in the tiny airport in St. George, Utah, being guided by two muscly, tan, Patagonia-wearing people who could probably climb that wall in a minute flat with a bad flu. I felt like that little girl again. But they were nice, and they drove me to get lunch and then took me to their headquarters, which was tucked away in a strip mall and filled with brand new outdoor gear and clothes. When we entered the small building, the tone changed. We were the only ones in there. The man excused himself to the bathroom, and the woman took me behind a shelf and told me to take off all my clothes and squat. I hated the moment where she had to look at my non-athletic, plushy body, scanning me for hidden drugs. I exhaled. Then she handed me brand new clothes, tan cargo pants and a bright orange t-shirt. We got in the car and drove to the edge of town where they blindfolded me with a bright yellow bandana. Sorry, they said, tying the knot around the back of my head. This is just what we have to do. We drove for what felt like hours through bumpy, dusty dirt roads until they parked and walked me, holding both of my hands, 
through an uneven patch of desert. I realized I was walking towards voices. The voices seemed to be making dinner. One voice noticed me. Another voice, deeper, told the first voice to stop noticing me and keep making dinner. Here it is, the REI climbing wall woman said as she took off my blindfold. Standing in front of me were two more REI climbing wall type people. They were smiling. They were trying to be comforting. They said hello. Immediately, they told me a few things. The voices in the near distance belonged to my peers. They were the group that I would be spending the foreseeable future with. The staff members told me I was not allowed to speak to my peers, and my peers were not allowed to speak to me until I sat on a hill and wrote out my life story. They were not joking. I had to silently sit on a hill and write my entire life story. When I was done, I would read it to the group, and that's how they would meet me. Also, when I had to go to the bathroom, I had to call my name every three to five seconds so that staff members would know that I wasn't running away. I had to pee. The woman reminded me to call my name. As I stepped away from them, I began saying my name. Sarah. Quietly at first, then in a regular speaking voice. Sarah. Then I was screaming, uncertainly, my voice shaking. This, I realized, is how my new peers would learn my name. This was truly my introduction. Sarah! Wilderness therapy is similar to any type of treatment in that there are a lot of strange rules. Like, one, we cannot know what time it is. If we know what time it is, we won't be able to be fully present. This is closely related to two. We cannot know what we're doing next. This, they believe, will truly make us present and focused on our therapy. At first, I hated it. On my second week, a staff member said I wasn't allowed to eat hot food unless I used a bow, drill, and rock to bust a fire an arbitrary and ineffective way to create a flame that is supposed to build character. I didn't bust a fire. I ate cold beans. For some reason, I was also forbidden hot sauce. One day, I was pretty fed up and I walked out of camp. Because of this incident, I was put on safety. Safety meant I had even less freedom. Safety meant that I had to sleep next to staff, rolled up in a tarp, so that they could hear me crunching the tarp if I moved in the middle of the night. Safety meant I had to pull up the sleeves of my shirt to show staff I hadn't taken a rock or particularly pointy stick to my arms. It also meant that I needed to be escorted to the bathroom by two staff. The bathroom was a large hole in the ground. Eventually, I got off safety. And surprisingly, I started to enjoy hiking. And not totally hating hiking led me to stop totally hating the rest of it. 
My positive shift in feelings might have to do with the indoctrination that can come from programs such as these. There is truly a touch of brainwashing in all therapeutic programs. I've been to a few since. It's kind of a part of it. You just have to buy into the program's philosophy. Believe it's going to make your life better in order to get something out of the experience. In this case, I bought into the idea that waking up every day and packing my tarp and sleeping bag within the count of 10 was vitally important to my recovery. I bought into that when I ate breakfast, I needed to eat every bite of oatmeal, and then when it came time to clean my cup, instead of squirting a bit of water in there and sloshing it around like the staff members did, it was essential that I and the other members of our group fill our cups with dirt and use that as a scrubbing sponge. I don't remember the logic behind this one, but at the time, I knew the dirt scrubbing was building character. I happily called my name while I peed, while I pooped in a hole, and while I washed myself with a tiny bucket of water. I also bought into a lot of therapeutic stuff that I honestly can't remember. But buying into the wilderness stuff caused me to look around at the environment, and I started to have a lot of really meaningful outdoor moments. I went on a solo, where basically for 48 hours I just hung out far enough from camp so I couldn't see anyone, but close enough that if I screamed, staff could come help. I loved being alone. I loved listening to the wind and dancing around my little campsite. I earned the opportunity to lead a hike. And at the same time we reached the peak of a hill, a group of wild horses ran through the valley below. The sun broke through the clouds to illuminate them. I was very affected by this. And eventually, I did become amazing at busting fires. And I ended up teaching everyone in my group my techniques. And all while this was happening, I started to create a new version of myself. The outdoor kid. A tan mountain climber with ripped calves and a well-trained dog. I could see her so clearly. She was about 70 pounds thinner than me. She was someone who had her life together, and that life was wild. Someone who threw hiked every summer and thought car camping was luxurious. She didn't need AC because she wasn't really inside a lot. She was beautiful. After wilderness therapy, I tried to be that person. I moved to Boulder. I tried rock climbing. I bought a tent. I attempted to off-leash train my dog, but he ran into the woods to chase a fox immediately. He's fine, he's right next to me, but he would definitely get us both killed if I brought him into the wilderness. Soon, I started to turn into an indoor kid again. I moved back to a big city, rewatched Gilmore Girls a lot, closed my blinds. I couldn't be an outdoor kid. I hate rock climbing. And I love taking long baths 
and AC. Eventually, I gave up on my outdoor self altogether. Hey, it's Willow. We'll hear the rest of the story in a moment. But first, if you enjoy skiing, I'd like to tell you about our sponsor, Powder 7. Powder 7 is a full-service ski shop and online retailer based in Golden, Colorado. They have a classic ski shop vibe with the convenience, fast shipping, and great prices of a leading online retailer. Powder 7 only sells ski gear and they do it year-round. The folks who work there are avid skiers and they really know their stuff. Powder 7 carries one of the ski industry's widest selections of gear. From carving skis like the Head Super Shapes to all-mountain and freeride skis like the Head Cores, they offer new and used skis from more than 30 brands. Shop online at powder7.com or feel free to call or email them and chat with their team of experts. That's powder7.com. And now, back to the story. Okay, I have my trekking pole. I think we need to get new trekking poles. I don't think so. One of them's bent. It's bent, but it works. It's bent, it's not broken. That's me talking to my That's girlfriend. It's okay. been eight years since wilderness yeah, therapy. Yeah. I have my bear bag, yeah. It's at the bottom. Because it's heavy. We're sitting in our bedroom, double-checking that I have everything I need in my backpack that I've been obsessively packing for the past month. A lot has happened in the last eight years. My depression came back. I went in and out of treatment centers, all indoor. I got on medication. I got great therapists, and I really worked on my mental health in a way that I couldn't fully in wilderness therapy. I got into a healthy relationship. I got a job I liked. I met great friends. I ended up getting to a really good place that depressed me couldn't have even imagined. But I still wasn't the outdoor kid. I was still me. Fat. Someone who was actually very gay and accepted that. But even with all that acceptance and love, there was one thing that still gnawed at me. I wanted to be outdoors more. I knew I was never going to be that rugged outdoors person I imagined, and I didn't want to be. But when I completely gave up on this idealized version of myself, I also gave up on being outside. And I ended up taking something out of my life that would probably improve the quality of it. Also, I had set a goal for myself in wilderness therapy. I wanted to go backpacking alone. And even though I have forgotten about more goals than I've ever achieved in the course of my life, for some reason, I couldn't forget about this one. I never did. And so a few months ago, I decided it was time. I was going to hike a section of the Colorado Trail over a weekend all by myself. I'm at REI and I'm not sure if I can fit. 
fit into all the sleeping bags here and they're all sort of like hanging by a rack so I keep like unzipping them and then putting my head in them backwards. I have spent hours and hours in REI in the past few weeks, including an entire hour dedicated to trying to find a woman's pack that fit me until eventually the sales associate had to rent me a pack with an attached waist strap extender. He also got my information to call me when the plus size line of Diva Packs comes out. However, the message that I've gotten loud and clear is that my body isn't supposed to be doing this activity. And my worries didn't end there. The night before my trip, I was spinning with anxiety. And I also just remembered that mountain lions exist. And honestly, that's fucking scary. And I have a cat. And I would be so much scared. I would be so scared if he was bigger. You you would kill us all. But I don't let the fear of a larger version of my cat cancel my trip. I get up and I put on my Hunter's Orange Carhartt men's workwear t-shirt. And I get in the car with my friend and my girlfriend. And suddenly we're at the trailhead. Okay, I love you so much. I'm so excited. Love you. You fucking got this. You rock. Bye. And then I'm alone. Okay, part of me wants to turn around and be like, wait, (laughs) don't go. But part of me is excited. I'm going uphill. And I don't think I've been alone with my thoughts for two years. And suddenly... I can only hear my breath and the dirt beneath my feet. The air is crisp and fresh in a way it can only be in late September. The trail is shrouded in aspens, all in the process of changing from green to yellow to red. Within my first few minutes on the trail, I can see a deer chewing some grass. I'm feeling excited, peaceful, and I start to philosophize. Okay, I guess why I'm doing this is because I think I like it. And that's a good reason to do something. Because you like it. Right? I'm walking. I am walking. I just saw a girl walking her horse, and I'm kind of jealous because I want to have a friend. But like, I'm not out of shape. I'm just in a shape that I'm in. And that shape is this shape. And I'm gonna go as far as I feel like I can in that shape and then things take a turn I feel like I am in pain I already kind of pulled a muscle (laughs) yeah Uh, just as tight as a panic there's a slight panic Like, why do I like this? I don't totally remember. Ow. Fuck.
my body really hurts. Cool, cool, cool. Sick, sick, sick. Love this. This is so fun. Who wouldn't want to do this for fun? At this point, I have pulled a muscle in my groin, and every time I take a step, a shooting pain surges across my body. I'm less than halfway to the place I was going to camp, and I'm feeling really defeated. I'm wondering if I can even get there, let alone complete the whole trip I planned. I stop and take my pack off and immediately fall onto a rock and skin my knee. I feel like my body is failing me and there's no good moral to this story. Nothing positive will come from this. Just the confirmation that the people who decided not to make the backpacks that fit me were right. It just feels like, yeah, like I just... I don't know. Like, I pulled a muscle in a fucking mile and a half, and I can't walk now. And now what the fuck am I going to do? I can, like, barely move. But the thing about backpacking, the thing I really liked about it before, is that you can't just bail. Well, not without getting airlifted. I can only go forward or back. So I decided to go forward. Okay. Step, step. Okay, so my muscle is not feeling great, but the flatness is making me feel better as I walk. Um, step in, step in the muscle. I gotta step, I'll step it out. Then I can step. I keep stepping, and eventually I get farther than the place I was going to camp. My pulled muscle starts to feel better because I remember that I have packed Advil. And I finally find a place to sleep, start setting up camp and making dinner, and suddenly I realize there are all these things that I never got to do, and now I can do whatever I want. I've never stayed alone in my own tent, I'm realizing. Yeah, I've never actually had my own tent. I had this idea that maybe I would, I don't know, like, bring my, like, busting stuff and, like, bust a fire here, which is funny because I'm not going to do that. Why would I do that? I didn't, I don't want to. I don't end up busting a fire because I don't want to, because I don't see the benefit. That sentiment, the, I don't have to do things that I don't think will benefit me, that becomes my motto and my energy for the rest of the trip. There's nobody telling me what to do, no one making weird rules, no therapeutic games or rituals. The only thing that I have to buy into is myself. The only thing I have to focus on is my enjoyment. I can camp where I want. I can pack up as slowly or quickly as I want. I can hike at my own pace. I can clean my cup with water. And I actually do enjoy this activity. I enjoy myself a lot. It feels amazing to take the good things that wilderness therapy gave me and kick the rest to the dirt. Okay, so it's dark out and 
I put my tarp in front of my tent so that I could pull my sleeping bag out onto my tarp and lay and look at the stars for a bit. I feel very happy right now. I'm very content. This is like my favorite thing. All I have are my own thoughts and the stars, which is pretty good. Before I knew it, it was the last morning of my trip. I packed up my things, made myself breakfast, and walked to the parking lot where my mom and girlfriend were waiting for me. Hello. I felt proud. I went on an adventure. I put myself out of my comfort zone, and I liked it. But the trip gave me more than just a sense of accomplishment. It gave me a new way of looking at myself. I invented the outdoor girl because I thought she was my only way out of depression. Basically, I thought that my only way not to feel miserable every second of every day was to become a completely different person. That I needed to be this extreme toe-shoes-wearing adventurer in order to be happy. The problem was, being her meant not being fat, not being gay, not being me. It's taken me a long time to realize how wrong that was. You don't cure depression by becoming a different person. And mine isn't cured. I still have depressive episodes. And I still take medication. Something I'm not planning on changing. However, my life has been significantly better since I accepted that this is the brain the personality, and the body that I have. And I don't have to change those things to be outside. I just have to do the things in nature that I want to do and not do the things I don't. Maybe I'm an indoor-outdoor girl. I won't live in a van. I won't wear those toe shoes. I'm sorry to anyone who does. I know they're, like, good for your feet or whatever, but... That's just really not my thing. I won't climb Mount Everest, but I think I'd like to go on some more weekend trips. Until then though, I'll be chilling in my air conditioned apartment watching Netflix. I mean, I'll go for like day hikes and stuff. I do live in Colorado. That was Sarah Dealey. She's an audio producer and writer, and she's currently working on a series about troubled teen wilderness programs. If you'd like to get notified when that series comes out, I have a link for that in the show notes. You can also see more of Sarah's work at sarahdealey.com. Also, Sarah wanted me to mention that if you are a parent who is considering sending your kid to a wilderness program, She recommends a book called Help at Any Cost by Maya Solovitz. I have a link to that in the show notes as well. Coming up next time on Out There, we have another story about someone who didn't consider herself outdoorsy. But for Angie Chapman, the reason she was so reluctant to spend time outside was very different than the reasons you heard about on today's episode. As an African-American woman in an all-white, upscale neighborhood, I am conspicuous. 
At any time, day or night, I could be stopped by the police. But when the pandemic began and Angie was feeling profoundly isolated, she started taking walks with a friend around the streets of Boston. She didn't know it at the time, but those walks would give her a new way of finding peace and a new way of finding community. Tune in on February 17th to hear that story. It's time now for Out There Favorites. This is a new segment we're bringing you this season where we share some of our favorite resources, favorite apps, favorite books, favorite podcasts, gear. These are not ads. We're not getting any money from the things we recommend. It's just a chance for us to spread the love. Hi there, my name is Jessica and I'm the advertising manager here at Out There Podcast. And I'm so excited to share my three favorite resources with you today. My first favorite resource is an app called Hip Camp. It's for all levels of adventurers to find unique outdoor stays. There's options like tent camping, RV parks, cabins, tree houses, glamping, and more. I recently used this app when I took a road trip from California to North Carolina. One night I stayed in the desert land of Arizona, and another I stayed in a cabin of the Tennessee mountains, and it was so beautiful. There are so many hidden gems all over this country. I would suggest checking out this app and see what's around you on just where you live. That's Hip Camp, H-I-P-C-A-M-P. My second favorite resource is Campendium. It's a free camping app, and I use it to find dispersed camping. The app shares helpful information like cell coverage, elevation, maps, pictures, reviews so you can get a sneak peek into the location you're looking at. It also shows dump stations, public lands, and more. That's Campendium, C-A-M-P-E-N-D-I-U-M. My third favorite resource is Harvest Hosts, and it's more geared for RVers. I'm a full-time RVer, and I sometimes have trouble finding free public land in the more eastern states. That's how I found Harvest Hosts. Harvest Hosts is a yearly subscription with over 3,000 locations to park your RV and stay for the night, like museums, breweries, distilleries, wineries, farms, and more. I would highly recommend looking into it. That's Harvest Hosts. Again, that was Jessica Taylor. She's the advertising manager here at Out There. We have links to the apps she recommended in the show notes. And I also have links to a short video that Jessica put together about Campendium, plus a special Mother's Day feature they did about her and some other great moms a while back. Before you go, I have an announcement to make. Out There is going to be seven years old this spring. And to celebrate, we are hosting a virtual happy hour for all of our patrons. Patrons are listeners who support Out There financially. They make monthly contributions to the podcast through a crowdfunding platform called Patreon. It's that support that makes this podcast possible. Seriously, we could not be doing this show without you. So, to thank you, our patrons, for your generosity, I'd like to hang out with you and get to know you a little better. So I'm hoping you'll join me for Out There's Birthday Happy Hour. It'll be on March 9th at 5 p.m. Pacific Time, 8 p.m. Eastern. 
If you're already a patron, there's nothing more you need to do. Just keep an eye on your inbox for an invitation. If you're not yet a patron, you can become one by going to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast. As I mentioned, Patreon is a crowdfunding platform for creative endeavors. It lets you make monthly contributions to projects you care about, like this podcast. You pick the amount to give, and they take care of the rest. Again, just go to patreon.com slash outtherepodcast to sign up, or just click the link in the episode description. Make sure you sign up by March 4th so I can send you an invitation to the happy hour. Speaking of patrons, I'd like to give a big thank you to Doug Frick, Phil Tim, Tara Jocelyn, and Deb and Vince Garcia for their ongoing financial support of Out There. I really mean it when I say we couldn't produce this podcast without you. Okay, so I am opening up Peak Visor. Peak Visor is an app that helps you make the most of your adventures in the mountains. They are one of our sponsors for this season, and as I mentioned at the top of the episode, I recently used Peak Visor when I was on a ski trip in Colorado. I was out on a Nordic trail, and I had a gorgeous view of some of the tallest mountains in the lower 48. But I wasn't sure which mountain was which. When I opened up the Peak Visor app, it showed me a panoramic picture of everything I was looking at, and each mountain was labeled. So... Bald Eagle Mountain, 11,896 feet. Sugarloaf Mountain, 11,3. If you'd like your own personal mountain guide, check out Peak Visor in the App Store. If you're new to Out There, check out the Best of Out There playlist. This is a collection of some of our favorite episodes of all time, and it's a great introduction to the range of stories we do on the show. You can find Best of Out There on Spotify and at our website, outtherepodcast.com. Today's story was written, produced, and sound designed by Sarah Dealey. It was edited by me, Willow Belden. Out There's advertising manager is Jessica Taylor. Our audience growth director is Sheba Joseph. Kara Schaefer is our print content coordinator. Our ambassadors are Tiffany Duong, Ashley White, and Stacia Bennett. And our theme music was written by Jared Arnold. Have a beautiful day, and we'll see you in two weeks. <laughs>